You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Hey, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Are you ready to land this refreshment uh, series here this morning? Let's land it on the runway. Let's come in for some rest. Kick off our missions revival next Sunday with Scott and then the following Sunday with Bill. And then the next Sunday... We're going to be in a sermon series entitled for six weeks, The Power of Prayer, Praise, and Thanksgiving. And we're going to end this series on Thanksgiving Day, uh, rather Thanksgiving weekend, I should say. I'm sorry. It's going to be exciting. So prayer, praise, and thanksgiving is coming to God's by coming to a pulpit near you. Don't miss it. But until then, let's talk about refreshed. I have needed this. You know, sometimes pastors just need to preach a refreshing series, an encouraging series. Because sometimes the Word uh, of God, and even this morning, there'll be moments where we're convicted and where it can can be, it can press in a little bit. But there are other messages where it's just the whole thing. I mean, from start to finish, you just feel that conviction. Uh, It's all good, obviously. It's the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit in us, and it's wonderful. But I have been so refreshed by just focusing on the idea of having a revival in the presence of God every day, having that abundant life as we kick the, the series off, talking about that. And so we've, we've walked a wonderful path for the past five weeks, now this being the sixth week. We're here to talk this morning about a very important subject. And we introduced it last week with this idea of let's start a pandemic. And, you know, when I said that, I thought, wow, I hope I can somehow live up to that because that's a tough word. When you look that word up in the dictionary, Uh, it's not one you can just take out of the dictionary and apply to a sermon without a little what I call sermonizing it, right? You got to, I had to put my little preacher touch on it here. We got to figure this thing out. So here is the definition of a pandemic and especially one for this morning. It is something that occurs over a wide geographical area. And you can kind of think about the pandemic we've been in and the definition. But this morning for the message, we're not talking about starting a pandemic that is harmful and hurtful and dangerous. This is a different kind of pandemic. This is going to affect the geographical area, but the one we're focusing on is Gospel Light Baptist Church. Could I suggest maybe our school, our classes, our student body? What about our our college campus here? It's typically affecting a significant portion of the population. So typically a pandemic, when it spreads, it starts small, but when it spreads, it begins to affect those around you. So let's think about how that might spread, maybe from the front of the auditorium to the back, or maybe to a small group, or maybe to a classroom, or to office space, or or to whatever. But it spreads. There's something about this that spreads to the campus, the student body, the congregation, and it's characterized by very widespread growth. So this morning, I want to encourage us to consider starting a pandemic of encouragement, An, an encouragement that, that comes from the Holy Spirit of God that just a moment ago we sang about. This comforter called the Holy Spirit. It's where it all starts. But let's start this morning with, with, a, with a scripture in the Word of God, Acts chapter 4. And let me introduce you to somebody who had a very interesting name. His name was Barnabas, but his mother didn't give him that name. Look with me at the, at the screen or in your written word, Acts chapter 4, verse number 36, thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas. So here is a man who was not given this name by his parents, but he was given this name because these apostles 
these disciples, they said, you know what? This is what he reminds us of, so let's give him this name. The name Barnabas means son of encouragement. If you were to go to my house in New Orleans and walk in my dad's door, which he would love for you to. We've had many visitors throughout the years come to New Orleans and hang out with my dad. Many of you have. You walk in our home, and you're going to see something. You're going to see names. My dad, my stepmom are big into names. You got the name Capace there. Wait, back up. That's so fast. You got the name Capace. So you got Drea, my dad's name, strong and manly. And my stepmom, uh, Brenda, enthusiastic. So you've got the, the meaning of these names. You go a little farther into the house, and you see a large wall with all the names of the kids, the grandkids, their names. It's just everybody. But then you can zero in on just the Capace family here today, all right? You got Carol Ann. Her name means song of joy. Honey, you are a song of joy. Amen. That's, she, you live up to that name. Mine, not so sure. Godly power. I sure hope so. But that's a tough one. Amen. Boy, the Lord really, I don't think my mom knew that when she gave it to me, but I've, I've been trying to, to make sure that I live up to that name for sure. Matthias is a gift of the Lord. Ezekiel, strength in God. Josiah, the fire of the Lord. Oh, he sure lived up to the, the fire part for sure. And then Chloe, filled with life. Glorian, gracious one. Barnabas, encourager. Are you with me? So he was given a name. And this name meant the son of encouragement. He was a Levite, a native of Cyprus. He sold the field that belonged to him. He brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. So here is a man. And this man, his encouragement is characterized by the fact that later on we're going to read, the Bible says that that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and faith. This was a man who had a reputation of being filled with the Spirit of God. And and as we understand the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who is called the the God of all comfort, the the Holy Spirit is the comfort of the the consolation, if you will, of, of our faith. And that word means parakletos, consolation, comfort, parakletos, which is the word for the Holy Spirit, which is where all of this comes from. You see, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's natural for a believer to be encouraging. And that's what Barnabas had. Here is a man who is doing for other people what the Holy Spirit does for every child of God. And that's why we sang this morning, the goodness of God. All my life he's been faithful. All my life he's been so, so good. The Holy Spirit comes inside us. He comes alongside us. He encourages us. He gives us comfort. He gives us a a hope and he gives us help. And we all need it. I don't know about you, but I need those things. And I'm grateful the Holy Spirit provides it. I love to be encouraged. And I am grateful for the people in my life who encourage me. But can I tell you something on the flip side? I really don't like being around discouraging people. Sometimes I have to be. Sometimes it's just part of it. You have to kind of go through life and not everybody's going to be encouraging and sometimes people are going to be discouraging. But here is a man who could lift your spirits. Discouragement is bad. And it's so bad because it opens the door to all kinds of other sins and failures. And discouragement, someone has said, is the dark room where the negatives of failure are developed. And how true that is. Listen to what the Bible says about God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 3, one of the verses that my wife and I 
clung to when she was at her lowest point of her health, this was the verse we claimed together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. There's that word. That word literally means encouragement. God is the God of all encouragement. So if God is the God of all encouragement, then doesn't it only make sense that Satan would be the minister of all discouragement? Discouragement comes from the devil. Discouragement is a major cause of failure. A great evangelist by the name of Bill Glass, he played in the NFL, made quite a bit of money, took that, you know, the wealth he had acquired in the NFL and used it towards starting a ministry called Behind Walls. It's a It's a ministry in prison. And Bill Glass, this evangelist, goes into prisons and starts discipleship program. Really an amazing ministry. He's he's an incredible man of God. Recently, he was speaking to the inmates in a large prison, a thousand inmates. And he asked him the very simple question. He said, how many of you at some point growing up heard your father say, son, one day you're going to end up in jail? He said 90% of those men raised their hands. And that's exactly what they did. Because discouragement and discouraging words lead to failure. That's why it's so important that we understand the power of encouragement. I love people who encourage, people who believe it can be done. I was thinking uh, about an illustration I gave years ago, football player in the Hall of Fame by the name of Bobby Lane. Bobby Lane's not all that well-known, and there's a lot of folks in the NFL you've never, in the uh, Hall of Fame you've, you've never heard of, but Bobby Lane is there, and he's got a helmet there. He's got a quote underneath his helmet, and it's kind of what he's known for. It says this, Bobby Lane, he never lost a football game. Time just ran out. I like that. Oh, I like that. You know, some people look at optimistic people and encouraging people and positive people as sometimes and a nuisance, and well, you know, they just need to face reality and get real and understand that not everything, and I understand that. I, I, every positive has a negative, and I understand sometimes I may sound a little bit too encouraging, but forgive me, I'd rather lean on that side than the other. I want to be known as someone who can encourage others. We need to encourage one another. There is a scripture. I love this passage. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14. Here's what it says. We urge you, brothers, we urge you, sisters, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and don't forget, be patient with them all. I love that. I've got a life's first, but that may be right, right underneath it. Encourage the faint-hearted. That word faint-hearted means this. To encourage the discouraged. Literally, what we see here in this passage is a command from Almighty God. It is a command of Almighty God that we encourage the discouraged. There are people in your own home that need this. People in another room that live in your home. Children, maybe a spouse, maybe a a mother, uh, someone that lives in and around you. And so this morning, this is so important as we finish this series of messages on being refreshed, 
Let's talk about some ways you can be refreshed. Let's talk about some examples that were given in the Scripture from this man named Barnabas, who is a man full of the Holy Spirit of God, whom we sang about this morning. I want you to put all these in the, in, in, in the, you know, in the I will, in the first person the tense. And I want you to be thinking about how you could start a pandemic in your home, in your church, in your small group, in your neighborhood, in your office, at your job. How can you do that? It's needed. Number one, say this with me. I will encourage others by practicing stewardship. Let's go back to the text. We read it once. Let's read it again. It's very interesting here that the Bible says here about Barnabas. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement, a Levite, the native of Cyprus, he sold a field that belonged to him. Barnabas was a man of means. Barnabas had some things monetarily. He sold that. He brings the money and he lays it at the apostles' feet. Here's a man who had much to give. I realize that not everybody has much to give, but for sake of the illustration here, talking about some finances, some money that he was able to give, and he saw there was a need because there was a need. There was a a great movement of God going on in that first church in Jerusalem. People were being saved by the thousands and baptized by the thousands. As a result of that, there were needs in the church. There are needs in our church as we continue to grow and we expand. And we talk about foster care and the Dixie Jackson offering. And and, 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 uh, Brother Tony just sharing about the giving that you've been doing and how blessed that is. And it's amazing. There still needs today, but there were needs then. Barnabas saw that need. It was a huge need. It was, a, it was a breakout of, of, of great revival in that area. Along with that came persecution. And Christians were needing help and probably food and, and all kinds of things were going on. And so Barnabas saw that and he said, I've got some land. I'll sell that land and I'll, I'll give that money to help with the need. Barnabas was an encourager. He saw the need and he moved in to fill that need because, church, listen, there is a difference between ownership and stewardship. You've got to understand that. At the end of the day, would you not agree with me that we really don't own anything? Everything we have comes from God. He owns it all. We are just stewards of the resources that God has given us. And that's our job. Our job, you and I, are, are just managing those resources. What do we really have that God hasn't given us? Nothing. Everything we have is a gift from God. And it's not about what you keep in the barn. It's not about what you keep in the bank. It's not about what you keep in a storehouse. It's what you sow that multiplies. It's what you give that multiplies. And that's why Scripture tells us it's more blessed to give than to receive. If Barnabas would have kept this money, we would not be using this as an illustration this morning. But he gave it. And still this morning, we are reaping the benefits of his generosity, of his stewardship as he practiced that and encouraged the church. And I know what someone's thinking here. Well, pastor, just as quickly as you can, would you move on to point two? Because I'm broke. I'm broke. I, you know, I mean, you guys talk about money. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, it's not an area that I'm able to do. Well, listen, all of us can give something. I know that. You know that. We know that. We can all give something monetarily, and we're not excluding that from the message at all. But I am saying this, that if you do not have any money, it still applies to you because there's more than money to give. There's a whole lot more than money to give. You could give love. 
You could give time. In fact, this morning, really what, what Tony's testimony was all about was really not about money. It really wasn't. I mean, you know, if, if we want to be, if the other elders want to be picky, we're like, come on, Tony, talk about the offering, man. We need to talk about the, the plate, you know. And Tony would say, well, it's not the only thing to give. What about giving an hour to a foster care family every month? What about that? What about just saying, hey, can I, can I help you this tomorrow by picking up your kids at Lakeside and just tell me where to bring them and you guys run some errands? You say, well, you know, I guess I could do that. Sure you could and sure I could and we all could and this is what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's using the gifts that God's given you, not always money, but love and time and talent and help and even wisdom, experience. I love Acts chapter 3 and verse number 6 because we read of others in this passage who, who were not as rich as Barnabas. Here's a man laying at a gate and he's crippled and here's what Peter says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. I don't have any monetarily resources to give you, but I do have something in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And Peter offered to that man something that God had given him. And that was the power of God to heal and to touch and to see great things happen. Listen to me. God will not ask you to give what you don't have. What a great God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. He'll never ask us to give something we don't have, but are you willing to give what you do have? Whether it's money or time or love or help or prayer or ministry. Because an encourager is a person who understands that he or she is just a steward of that which God has placed in their hands, whatever it may be. You know, we're blessed at Gospel Light. We have a little piece of paper that might be the most valuable piece of paper to every church member in the, in the church. It's on the website too, but I like, I like to have it. I always carry it around in my Bible in different places. It's just called the Connection Directory, that's all. And it's just a place where you can... You can look and find places to get connected because from time to time, I do hear probably more often than I'd like, and I want to fix it. And part of the reason how you fix things like that is you pray and you seek the Spirit's wisdom, and then you maybe talk about it on a Sunday morning. But sometimes folks will say, I'm just not getting connected. I don't feel apart. And that hurts, and you want to find a way to get them connected because you know they've got something to offer and they've got something to give. But you know the best way I think you can get connected is on a Sunday morning like this and a message like this and look at some of these deacons that God has placed in our church family who have areas of ministry where God has gifted them in, like the media ministry with Brad. And Brad kind of helps facilitate volunteers. Looks like if we had a volunteer for that camera, that would be great. We could use that camera. There's a camera up there with no volunteer. I say this only because here's a couple of spots that are available this morning. And, 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 and maybe that is, maybe, maybe we could say, well, Brad needs to do a better job of recruiting. Maybe, but maybe it's the pastor, the elders that need to do a little better job of making sure you know. If you've got a gift, if you like technology, if you're kind of into media or cameras, wow, you could still be in the service and just be at a camera. So that people all across the city and the state and maybe even some in the nation or the world can watch a service here at Gospel Light. Just a thought. Maybe that's a gift. You say, well, how much does it cost to be a part of that? <laughs> time. That's all. Just time. Here's another deacon. He's in charge of our uh, nursery ministry. And I just talked to him after the service. He said, Pastor, just to let you know, we need 18 to 20 volunteers every service. And I thought, man, 
If we were to have 18 to 20 volunteers every week, we would need 80 volunteers every month just to make sure that nobody had to work more than once a month in the nursery. That was kind of an overwhelming thought to me. And I thought, how many times do I have a nursery uh, director? Sarah, you remember this when you were the nursery director. How many times you would text me and say, hey, we need some help in the nursery. And, and again, it's just, the only reason I'm saying this is not to rebuke anyone. It's to remind you that there are places to get connected. Well, I don't like media. And I don't like children. I've had enough of them. Well, let's move on. It's okay. That's okay. What about transportation? Can you work on it? I had a guy call me this week. Pastor, man, I'm low on funds, and I just need somebody to look at my car. I said, well, call Mark. He called Mark. Mark was swamped under, had a list of 10 folks he was helping already. And I said, man, how cool would it be if we had a list of maybe some other folks that said, yeah, I know a little bit about cars. If you got somebody needs a little help, I'll look under the hood and see what I can do to help, you know. And we've got folks that are involved in ministries that help our people with their cars, especially those that finances are, are tight. And then you go to uh, security ministry. John out in the, out in the parking lot and, and taking care of our facilities and keeping us safe. And then you've got, uh, keep moving, guys, help me out. Darian Sims with first impressions. And you've got shaking hands and greeting folks and letting folks know, you know, welcome to the church. You say, you mean you've got a ministry that if you're friendly, you can actually be a part of it? Uh-huh. If I wasn't pastoring, I'd be on first impressions. Duh. <laughs> I'd love it. And then you go on to... Uh, Jeff Manthe with the ushers, just making sure the uh, uh, funds are collected and people are in place. Thomas Kemp with our benevolence ministry. I was just telling our church this morning, my my wife was telling me this week, my mom, who has, she's somewhat of an invalid and and, and homebound. She lives in the village. Her husband, her, of course, my mom and dad were divorced. She remarried and her her second husband passed. And tragically, and then this is Wayne, her third husband, but great man. And he's got a surgery, heart surgery, so she's calling Caroline. I need, you know, what do we do for food? I said, call Thomas and see if there's some folks in the church that can make some meals. I know it's a little bit of a drive out to the village, but I said, honey, I guarantee you there's people that would say, I can do that. I've got some resources. I can make a casserole. I hate casseroles. I'm just kidding. I love them. I love them. And uh, only when I'm sick. But um, so benevolence ministry, that was an inside joke for Baptist people, casseroles. Anyway, and... uh, David McLean, the treasury, making sure the money's counted properly, making sure it tra- gets in the safe correctly and everything's done right because that's being a good steward. Uh, then we've got uh, Mike Griffith with special projects, fixing things. I've got a shed at the house. I've got all kinds of tools. I love to fix things. Man, I didn't know that. There you go. You can be a steward of that at Gospel Life by just saying, hey, put me on that list and call me once a month, once every other month, once a year, whatever. And then... Uh, Kim Moore, and Kim's going to be leaving us soon. We're going to miss him. We're going to be saying some things about that in a couple of weeks. Man, he's been with us for over 20 years, been in charge of our prayer ministry, and we're talking about next year's theme being a theme about prayer. So that's going to be, that's going to be incredible. But Kim's been an amazing prayer ministry guy. John Schroeder over our landscaping, lots of work there. You really probably need 20 or 30 guys that can do weed eating and things, but we've got 10 or 15 right now. We need some more. But Timothy does our baptism ministry. And then I want to finish this as quickly as possible. David does our Lord's Supper. And then uh, Don Yoke, our foster care ministry. So these are ministries. All of these are areas. You say, well, how do you get plugged in? Email addresses right here. Go to the website. Eat. I mean, there's ways to do it. And if, you're, if they're not emailing you back, then it's talk to the pastor so I can kind of get on them. Amen? All right, just kidding. Okay, and uh, hey, we want to make sure you feel connected. We're not a perfect family. We struggle sometimes. We don't always, don't always communicate like we should, just like, right? I mean, every, every church has 
things they need to improve, but I'm sure we do. And I'm not by any means saying we're there yet. But I am saying this. We're trying, and we want to get you connected, and we want you to feel encouraged that you get to serve here at Gospel and practice stewardship. Number two, say this with me. I will encourage others by extending friendship. Extending friendship. Acts chapter 9, incredible story here. We're talking about Saul now. Saul was converted on that road to Damascus. Remember that story? Really cool story. It's in Acts chapter number 9. Here comes this, almost like a bolt of lightning, if you will, from heaven. He falls off his horse. He's converted there in that moment and comes to know Christ. And you got to remember who Paul, Saul was. Saul was a murderer of Christians. This dude was a bad man. I mean, he, had, uh, he was the one who held the coats of those who stoned Stephen, right? So we're talking about a really tough dude, and he just got born again. But Saul, verse 22, increased all the more in strength. He's growing. He confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Remember, he was an enemy of the church, but now he's sharing the gospel. And when many days had passed, now he's got some enemies. And by the way, it doesn't take long, new converts. Boy, before long, people just really come against you. Not everybody's excited when you get saved. Yeah. And so Saul's experiencing that. He's like, man, people actually want to kill me. And their plot became known to Saul, so he tries to get away. They're they're trying to kill him, verse 25. But his disciples took him by night. I know this is a simple verse, but I can't help but to see Paul in his past life, popular, adorned, I'm sure, in, in great clothing, scholarly, you know, wealthy. And now here he is, humbly being let down in a basket from the second or third floor of some kind of an apartment building. Who knows? What a humbling experience for him. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Over here, he's got his old buddies. They want to kill him. They want to kill him. They want to take his life. Over here, he's got his new friends he's trying to connect with, but you can't blame him. I mean, just a few weeks ago, he was killing their people, and now he's like, hey, I'm changed now. I'm different. And they're like, uh, we'd rather kind of wait a while. We're not sure we want to have anything to do with you. Paul's in a quandary. He needs some help. Look at the next verse. But Barnabas. Oh, those are two refreshing words about an encourager. Here comes Barnabas on the scene. And Barnabas takes Saul and he brings him to the apostles. And he declares to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him. And how at Damascus he preached boldly in the name of Jesus. What was Barnabas doing? Barnabas was extending friendship. Paul needed somebody to love him. Paul needed somebody to reach out to him and say, hey, man, listen, you're okay. You're a good guy. You've been changed, and God's done a work in your life. But Barnabas, he had lost his old friends. His new friends were suspicious of him. What does he do? He needs someone to extend friendship. Someone has said a true friend is somebody who walks in when everybody else walks out. This morning, I got a chance for about 15 seconds to just honor my dear friend, John Johnson, who many of you know, but, you know, when our church went through a really tough transition, it's, it's so long ago, many of you would not even know about it and, and, and know even what I'm talking about, and that's probably better. But, but it's part of our church history, just a, a, a DNA change. And, and we lost folks, not because of a split. Nobody left mad as much as they did. They left confused about some of the changes we were making, and they were just, honestly, I can say this by the grace of God, those that left, and even some of those have come back, but those that left, left with a good heart and a sweet heart and an understanding that 
they just didn't agree, but they understood. And, but you know, I think about old John Johnson. Of all the people that were here, I would have thought John would have left first. I, I honestly, John didn't understand any of the changes, but he was just a friend. He's just a preacher. If God's telling you to do it. I, he ain't telling me to do it, but he's telling you to do it. I'll follow you. I love you. And I, I, I'm, I'm, let's, let's, let's do this. And I just got to thank John today in church. He comes to the first service. And it just, if it didn't make anybody else feel special, it sure made me feel special that I got to tell John, thanks, John, for being that friend that walked in when everybody else walked out. I'm saying all that to say we all need that. We all need to befriend a new believer in our church. Who befriended you? Think about when you first got saved. Who was it that came alongside you? Remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about that one who came alongside me, Lance, and he invited me to his house and started Bible studies with me. And I'll never forget, he took me every day after school to drink some of his grandmother's punch. She made the best strawberry punch. The only punch that comes close is the strawberry punch at La Hacienda. That's the only punch that comes close. And that punch, my friend, will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's incredible. But I remember drinking that strawberry punch and, and listening to Lance teach me the Bible. I didn't know John 3.16. Did not know your pastor didn't know John 3.16. All I knew is that Jesus died for me. I was a sinner. I'd gotten saved. And now I needed to learn the Bible. And Lance, for about five years, discipled me and came alongside me and encouraged me. And that's what Barnabas did. Barnabas said, you don't have to be afraid of Saul. He's different now. He's been saved. He loves us and loves the world and wants to see the world come to know Jesus. You know, they say that over 50% of the world's population suffers from chronic loneliness, and I believe it. I do. I think there's probably five out of ten people in this church that suffer from loneliness. I really do. I talk to a lot of Christians that say, I just don't have any friends. I'm just not connecting. I just don't. Gospelite, why don't we determine Instead of, you know, I oh, bless God, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Maybe let's put that verse, let, let's wait a little while for that one. Can we, can we not preach for a minute? Can we not just, can we just understand that maybe there's something going on. They just need somebody to come alongside and say, hey, you want to have a cup of coffee? Talk. Can, can, would you like to come to our small group and just see if you like it? You know, can, can I sit with you in church? Can we just back off from giving all the reasons why it's their fault? And can we just take personal responsibility for just a minute and see if it makes a difference? Because gospelite, we need to be a family of friends. Listen to Paul in Romans 15. This is amazing. Romans 15, verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may be one voice glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another. I love this. How do you welcome one another? Just like Christ has welcomed you. We get our example from Jesus. He received us. He welcomed us into the family of God. We didn't deserve it. So what do we think? That that we can't welcome others into the family, even if they're hurt and broken and struggling and lonely. Listen, Paul knew what it was like to be received. Paul knew what it was like to be encouraged, and I'm just dumb enough to believe that that had something to do with how God used Paul. These first early days of his Christianity, feeling loved. We all have more than money to give. We can give friendship. Here's my challenge to you, Gospelite. Are you ready? It's in your notes. I hope everybody will take it. I don't know if you will, but if you pray about it at least, I'll give you seven days. How's that? 
God, give me a new member or a new Christian at Gospel Light that I might encourage. God, give me a new member or a new Christian at Gospel Light that I might encourage. Now, the key word there is new. Someone new. Hey, we've had two newborns in our church in recent months, just in the last few weeks. Of course, I told you this last week, right? Timothy and Diana Gillespie uh, have Ezekiel James Gillespie, brand new baby. And then I think Tiffany and Joe just recently had, I think, I know, I'm the granddad. Anyway, Papa. Kimber Joe Capaci. So you've got two little babies. You know what I tell those parents? Listen to me closely. I'm going to give you some of the best parental advice you can ever give. Every parent will agree with me, I think, and that is this. In the first year of a child's life, you cannot spoil them. Kiss them a million times. Pick them up every time they cry. Love on them. Cuddle them. Play with them. I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, I just think you can't spoil a child in the first year of life. Now, you can spoil a child eventually. But can I tell you it's the same thing with a new Christian? You can't spoil them. You can't encourage them enough. You can't call them enough, text them enough, connect them enough. I'm telling you, when a new member or a new Christian comes to a church, they need more love and friendship than they may need a year from now, but they need it now. So I say to you, encourage a new Christian. Encourage a new member at Gospelite. Let's practice stewardship. Let's extend friendship and say this about yourself. I will encourage others by building partnerships. I'm going to build some partnerships. Now, how do you do that? Well, let's see how Barnabas did it. Acts chapter number 11, a revival had broken out in Antioch. God's doing some incredible things. Remember, the first church was at Jerusalem. No trick questions here. No trick questions, I promise. So you got the first church at Jerusalem, and then revival is spreading. Churches are being planted, but Antioch, something special is happening at Antioch. Wouldn't it be great if something special happened at Gospel Light, right? I think something special is happening in Hot Springs. I really do. And Scott reminded us last week, we're not the only church in town. In fact, this building is not the church. It's the people of this city that are the church. And God seems to be moving in an unusual way. It goes back a few years ago when churches began to tear down walls and build bridges. I'll say something more about that in just a moment. So here you have this revival breaking out. And God is doing some incredible things. There were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenist also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. A great number who believed turned to the Lord. There it is. Revival. Things are happening in Antioch. So the report comes to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Now watch it. Because this is what happens. And I get it. It's okay. This is not necessarily a critical thing. But sometimes you and I will ask a missionary to give us a report. Kevin was a missionary to China for years. And Paul and Kevin, Craig and Devin and others. And Scott to, you know, uh, Thailand. And so... Obviously, churches want to hear. They want to get a letter or an email, a report. How are you doing? What's going on? What's happening? And so they wanted to know what's going on. They had heard. They, first of all, maybe it was growing so fast they were concerned about wildfire, false doctrine. What's going on there? Man, I heard they had a two-hour prayer meeting. You never know what that's all about, a two-hour prayer meeting. Who knows what's going on in that place, right? I'm just saying. I'm sure there were some cynics. And so they said, what are we going to do? We've got to get a report. I know what we'll do. Let's send Barnabas. Let's send him to Antioch. And when he came, he saw the grace of God. Oh, he was glad. He exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Why? Because he was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Oh, do you see the context here? What a wonderful scenario. 
They knew that they could call the encourager Barnabas and that if there was anything good to see, he would recognize it because some people just can see the grace of God quicker than others. Some folks come to church and all they can see is the negative. And by the way, if you're looking for it, it's here. In fact, let me tell you where to start on the platform. Oh, listen, if you're expecting a perfect pastor, it, I would keep looking, all right? I'll just give you that hint right now. It's not hard to see the failures in churches. It's not hard to see the struggles. It's, it's not hard. Hey, look, we're, we're not a perfect church, but I will tell you this. If you're looking for the grace of God, you can find it here. And, and he saw it. He saw the grace of God. And he began to build a partnership. Barnabas was not a divider. Barnabas was a bridge builder. He encouraged others by building relationships and building partnerships because it's easier to build walls than it is to build bridges. It's easier. That's why people build walls. We just build walls denominationally and we build walls around our home and around the, what you like and the music we like and the people we like. And so we just build walls and we have fewer and fewer connections and partnerships. And it's tough to build bridges. In fact, I want to say this, one of the most difficult things that I've ever done in my life. In fact, let me say this, the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life is to tear down the walls of gospel light and start building bridges. Tough. I'm telling you, man, that'll put you at a banker's desk 30 days from foreclosure. It'll do it. That's a tough thing. That's where we were. I mean, we, we, it's tough. But you know what? It's the best thing I've ever done. I remember standing up in that prayer gathering. Some of you were there. It was about seven years ago, and I'm at the convention center with over 1,000 people there from all different denominations, and here they call me up on the platform. They were shocked I was there. What's this guy doing here? He's built walls. Is he actually building a bridge? And it took me standing up in front of a thousand people and saying this, and I quote, forgive me, I have sinned. I've sinned against you, Hot Springs. I've sinned against you, churches. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've been so to myself and so afraid to embrace your gifts and your love and your prayers. And you've tried, but I've pushed you away, and I apologize. And I'm telling you, church, it all changed that day for me. God did something in my heart as I realized that I had some Barnabases around me that encouraged me to do that. Preacher, we're with you. People that are still here today that saw the hurt and the pain that it caused and the frustration and the fear and even the financial difficulties and all the things we went through. We were building bridges. It's tough to build bridges. It's easy to build walls. It's tough to build bridges. So it was tough and we almost lost a lot and we did lose a lot and it was hard and there was criticism. But on the other side of it, we see God was in it. God was in it, and God has blessed it. Oh, listen, Barnabas had that kind of an attitude. I thank God for the Barnabases in my life. There's three kinds of people in the world. There's risk takers, there's caretakers, and there's undertakers. Put me in the risk taker category every time. I just, I love stepping out by faith and trusting God when he leads and we follow. It's not always easy, but he knows the way. And then number four, I will encourage others by developing leadership. Now, this really is fitting for our theme as we finish off the year, the year of discipleship. We're, we're trying to train leaders in their specific area of giftedness, and we're trying to help you to 
grow in grace and learn more about the Bible. And ultimately, one of the lessons is about serving God and finding your place. And so, let's look at it in Acts chapter 11. We're really in the same story. It's the same story. It's just the next part of the story. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Because what had happened here is he sees the grace of God, right? Remember that? He saw the grace of God. Something's happening here. This is a good thing. I like it. And they start saying, well, Barnabas, can you help us? And he's like, uh, well, uh, uh, no. I, I don't really, I'm not a good teacher. I don't really preach that well. I'm not like really good with the Bible. But I know somebody who is. And so Barnabas goes and gets are we there? Yeah, to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So he finds Saul, Barnabas does. Barnabas finds a leader. He develops that leadership. He brings him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And as a result of that, the people were first called Christians in Antioch. How amazing is that? This is all because Barnabas developed leadership in Paul. Barnabas knew he could not do it. Can I tell you, church, there's some things that I just, I'm not good at. That's not my gift. I'm grateful today for the staff that God's given us, for the, for the different personalities, for the different gifts. And, and, and I, man, I am finding myself in a place of a Barnabas as I encourage them and pray to develop them. It's, it takes time. It's, it, it takes years sometimes. But Barnabas knew I'm not good at that, but I know somebody who is. And he went to get him. He developed the gifts that God had given Paul. Barnabas knew he couldn't do it himself, and that's what we are supposed to do here at Gospel Light, is to develop leadership and teach people and equip people to do the work of the ministry. And so if you're sitting in our services here today, I want you to know you've got some giftings and you've got some abilities and leadership abilities. Maybe not to preach behind a pulpit or even lead a small group. Maybe, but maybe not. But what is it that God has gifted you to lead? What area of ministry or service, what could it be? Maybe for some, it's a four- and five-year-old class. You're just amazing with maybe crafts and teaching and applying the Bible to children. That's a gift. I can tell you, I wouldn't be as good as that as you. You know what's interesting? Barnabas developed Paul's leadership. Barnabas never wrote one book of the Bible. I'm sorry, I can't tell you. Open your Bibles to the book of Barnabas. You'd be like, but Paul wrote 13 books in the Bible. 13. And I've got to believe, and I get it. I know we can give the high and lofty spiritual answer, the Holy Spirit. I get it, but could I just for a moment say that it makes a difference when we develop leadership, we can have a part in God using people to do greater things for him. That's simply my point. And I think all of us can have a part in that. And then number five, and we're done. I will encourage others by rebuilding relationships. This is the way to be an encourager, to rebuild broken lives. Look, if you would, at Acts chapter 15, beginning at verse 36, and let's talk about the background of it. So after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, we're in Acts 15 now, lots happened. They've already gone on their first missionary journey. What that simply means is this, is that Paul and Barnabas and a guy by the name of John Mark went on a missionary journey, and they had a great time, except for the fact that at some point, this guy named John Mark quit. He abandoned them. 
I don't know why the Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe he was a sissy. Maybe he was a wimp. Maybe he was a mama's boy. Maybe he was sick. Maybe he was not cut out for. I don't know why. I don't. I just know he quit. That's the text. So he says to Barnabas, Barnabas says to Saul, rather, or Paul says to Barnabas, rather, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord. Let's see how they're doing. Man, Barnabas got pumped about that. So Barnabas says, hey, in the next verse, can I take John Mark? That'd be an awesome opportunity. I've been working with him. I've been texting him and emailing him. Just kidding. I've been communicating with him. Man, John's doing better. I'd love to take him with us on this journey as we retrace our steps. And Paul gets ticked. Look at the next verse. Paul thought it's not best to take him with us. He withdrew from us. He quit. He turned back. He didn't go to the work. And so there became a very sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. These two buddies, these two friends in the ministry, a very sharp disagreement. Can you hear that disagreement this morning? Hey, I got an idea. Paul, let, let, let's take John Mark. Don't say that name in front of me. That name, name just makes me sick to my stomach. I ain't, I, he's a quitter. He's a loser. I am, I'm not, we're not taking John Mark. Well, I don't understand. I mean, I know he's made some mistakes, but I, I really believe it would help him. It'd be an encouragement to him, and it's a missionary journey. I mean, we can disciple him the whole way. I'm telling you, we're not taking him. In fact, listen to me. Read my lips. He's not coming. They have this big argument. In fact, it's so bad that they actually part ways. Barnabas says, well, I'm taking John Mark with me. And Paul says, well, I'm taking Silas with me. So there. And it's over. Paul chose Silas, departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of God. Can you see the heart of Barnabas here? Can you see it? Barnabas just, he knew Mark had failed. But he knew failure wasn't final. He knew that too. And so he said, hey, I, I just can't, I can't leave John Mark hanging. I want to mend this broken relationship. And what's beautiful about this story is later on, Paul's in a Roman prison, and we read about a request that Paul made in Luke in chapter number, or rather 2 Timothy in chapter 4 in verse number 1, where it says that Luke alone was with Paul while he's in prison the last days and weeks of his life. Paul's dying, and Paul says, get Mark. Man, my heart just skipped a beat of joy. The same Paul that said, he's not going anywhere with us, is now saying in prison, last day of his, of his life, go get Mark. He's, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. Man, he's, he's, he's been useful for me in the ministry. Wow. Mending broken relationships is what encouragers do. And I see that in this story. How did this happen? It happened because there was a man named Barnabas who was interested in helping someone who had failed in his past. And may you and I determine to be a people of God who encourage others by mending broken relationships, by rebuilding relationships. Willing to do that. I remember years ago, it was Easter week. And I was 28 years old. I just started our church. Very few of you would even remember this. You weren't here. It was the first 12 months of the church, right? Well, I had been working out, and it was like a little hobby of mine. I mean, I'm sure you can still tell I'm involved in that. <clears throat> but anyway, no, just kidding. And uh, I'm not. But I was lifting weight. I was benching a lot of weight, and it was like a little midlife crisis at 
27. Anyway. And so I got into arm wrestling. So I'm this young one-year-old pastor, and I think I'm a hot shot, right? I mean, you know, I had a lot to learn. Some of you look at me like, that is pathetic. I cannot believe you made it this far. You're probably right. I can't believe I made it this far either. So I'm one year in, and I am in a warehouse with a dude twice as big as me. No, no joke. And I am arm wrestling this guy. Well, halfway through this arm wrestling bout, my arm cracks in half. Like, like I'm, I'm arm wrestling, and all of a sudden it goes, it's just hanging there. And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying to lift it up. It broke. Everybody in that room runs except for one guy. I mean, they're puking Bud Kaufman. Oh, it's disgusting. You know, they're running out. People are crying. Others are running. It's the preacher. I don't whatever, you know. They're thinking, the word's going to get out. We were cheering the preacher on. We led to this, you know. It wasn't their fault. One guy, Kevin O'Byrne, he never moved. He stood there and he said, Preacher, you big loser. I can't believe you didn't beat the guy. What's wrong with you? No, he didn't say that. Let me tell you something else he didn't do. Now, Pastor, you know, if I could just talk to you for a minute about it's Easter week, and you really shouldn't be playing. You probably should be in your office studying for the word, the message, and you're in here playing like a little kid. He didn't give me a lecture either. All he did was pick me up in his arms. And he carried this little immature 27-year-old young preacher to his truck, and he put me in. He said, Preacher, you broke your arm. We got to go to the hospital. I spent that Sunday morning in in the hospital. I didn't preach. My arm was broken. I spent a week in the hospital. Carolyn remembers. And all I can do when I think back to that illustration is the one man who stayed with me. While everybody else puked and ran. (laughs) One guy. You know him. You know him, Tony. He never missed a beat. He he didn't laugh. He didn't cry. He didn't say. He didn't even go. (gasps) He just went, preacher, you broke your arm. You got to know this guy. He came to church here for years in overalls every Sunday. (laughs) He picked me up. I'm just glad somebody was there to help mend this broken preacher who made a silly mistake and needed somebody to pick him up. You know, people all over our city just need somebody to care. Just somebody to, look, I know they need time. I know, I'm not, you understand when we say this, there's a whole lot more that, you can question if you choose, but I think you know the heart of the message is to rebuild relationships. Someone has said that the church is the only army in the world that shoots its wounded. Man, I don't want that to be true. Even just making that quote kind of like doesn't make me feel good. Surely that's not true. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 says this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. What's interesting about that word restore is it literally means resetting the bone. Resetting the bone. Getting him back on track. Helping to mend what was broken. This is the call of the church, my, my, my church family. And so this morning as, as we close, I want to remind you about these five things. As we close our series and we begin this pandemic Would you join me in encouraging others by practicing stewardship? Would you encourage others by extending friendship, building partnerships, developing leadership, 
and rebuilding relationships. You may be a Paul here this morning. You may be a John Mark. You may be a Barnabas. I'm not sure where you find yourself in this story. But whoever you are, I can tell you this. God loves you. The Spirit of God is here this morning. He's calling out to you if you are not a believer, if you've never been saved, if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, this morning he calls on you. He died for you. He took your sins on his shoulders on that cross. He was nailed to that cross. He shed his blood that you might be saved for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This morning, if you've never been saved, I invite you to come this morning and experience the grace of God. But if you have been saved, and this morning you're interested in becoming an encourager, can I remind you of what Acts chapter 11 and verse 24 says? I think it's the key to the whole thing, and it's this. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. You see, church, really, it always comes back to that. It always comes back to the worship set. Whatever's preached from this pulpit, you can... You can keep it plugged into the fact that it's the goodness of God. It's the Holy Spirit of God. It is He who fills us and who encourages us. And if He is the God of all encouragement, then guess what? Any encouragement that I've given today is because God gave it to me. Anything good about me is is God. And so this morning I encourage you to pray that God would help you to find that new member or that new convert and make that someone who you attempt to become an encourager to because you're full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And may God send a pandemic of refreshing encouragement in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, on our ball teams, our offices, and our church here at Gospel Light. Would you bow your heads with me this morning for just a few minutes as we close the message and respond to the message? If the Lord has touched your heart in any way about salvation or just about sanctification, growing in grace, becoming more like Christ, the God of all encouragement, then I pray this morning you would, Lord, take on that character of Christ. He was an encourager. He's the God of all comfort. Let's become that today for someone else. Father, I love you and I thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word and to share the gospel of Jesus here. Thank you for what happened in the book of Acts and for the fire that spread from church to church. Thank you for the apostle Paul whose life was changed and influenced greatly by an obscure man in the Bible named Barnabas who went about doing just encouraging things. Father, may that be said of our church. May we be a family of friends to this city. Thank you for the walls that you have torn down and for the bridges that we've built here. May we continue to focus on those bridges and continue to rebuild relationships. I love you and I love this church. Bless this response time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.